0: Welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. This is where we help you create a resilient school, no matter what is going on in your school's world. Today, I'm excited to have on the program, Carmen Zeissler. She is the director of SDAC Learning Centers, an educational consultant, coach, and co-founding member of the SDAC Resilience team. In Learning Centers, she has been instrumental in leading a redesign process through project-based learning. In schools, Carmen loves collaborating with teachers on trauma informed practices, and she leads the restorative justice in schools effort on the SDAC resilience team. Her other passion as a consultant and coach is supporting teachers to build strong reading cultures in their classrooms. One of her favorite ways to do this is to use picture books with science and social studies to make these content areas come alive for students. Carmen has traveled all over the world as a teacher. She spent 10 years in Mexico at the American Institute excuse me. She spent 10 years in Mexico at the American Institute of Monterey, teaching ninth and 10th grade English literature and helped build the gifted and talented program that was used as a model for all the state of Nuevo Leon. Carmen fell in love with the Mexican culture through language, food, dance, music, and people. But then she started getting antsy and wanted a new adventure. So she headed off to Brasilia, Brazil, which is where my dad lived for about 10 years, where she spent three years at the American School of Brazil teaching kindergarten. During this time, she had students from 16 different countries in one classroom. Her time in Brazil left her with a passion for writing and languages, and then she landed back in McPherson, Kansas, where she taught for 10 years prior to coming on board at ESTAC. Carmen has been to 33 countries and loves infusing her travels into her teaching. Carmen is a natural at building relationships with students and teachers so that she can help them ask powerful questions that help ignite passions. And her passion is building relationships with students and teachers so that she can ask them questions to help guide them in finding their own passions. Carmen, welcome to Resilient Schools. So grateful to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. for I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you. And this is part of our Uh, ongoing conversation about the Bridging to Resilience conference, which is happening uh, November 6th through 8th in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, If you are listening to this show, you need to be at this conference because it is your people. You're going to find your people there. So from our conversation today, what is a takeaway that people should get, Carmen?
1: Uh, That circle work has lots of different facets and that when you hear circle, when you hear about circle work, it's not just always the restorative, that there's some precursors before that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that was a good uh, thing for me. I've heard about uh, circles for classrooms and for restorative situations and for like IEPs or uh, academic interventions, but you did a really good job of bringing those all together and showing how they need to be one interconnected piece. So I think that's really valuable. Uh, really looking forward to this interview. So we'll get to Carmen's conversation in just a moment. Carmen, why don't you start by telling us about the three different types of circles that you work with. I think a lot of people know about restorative circles or about classroom meeting circles, but you define three different types of circles. So tell us about those.
1: Yeah. So the, this is like from John Whalen's work on circles and so it's community circles, so that class kind of class type meeting circle where we're It's proactive, it's happening consistently. Uh, We circle up because we know it's a a good way to build relationships. We might be solving some class problems uh, or class conflict during those community circles. But the whole point is let's build community so that we can see each other. And then, and then we have academic circles and that like, I love like using social studies to circle up in and have a conversation where we can be eyeball to eyeball with each other. We see a lot of schools using like social, social, emotional or character development curriculums inside of uh, inside of circle work. I also saw a fantastic math teacher use circles the other day where all he did was say, where are you at with the concepts we're do- that we're working on right now? And they went around the circle and you know, there was one ki- one kiddo that said, I am struggling. And then three other kids said, I gotcha. <laughs> and I just that just blew me away. And then the last type of circle is those restorative circles. And there's a kind of a range inside of restorative circles from being a little informal to being a very formal kind of circle process. Um, and inside there, that's where we're coming together to say, here's the harm that's happened, here's, here's my part in that, here's how I'd like to repair the harm, but it is a community, community process.
0: And Yeah. So, the, the so why is, yeah. Why is the community part so important and why, how is that different than what we might like? In education, we have community because we're in education. So yeah. why do we need like something special?
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. There's always going to be conflict. And what I see is we just avoid it as adults. We avoid conflict inside schools. We avoid conflict. Um, our answer is um, either we're not going to talk about it or you're suspended or expelled. Yeah. Um, and so, and then what happens is then you've got a kiddo who gets suspended, long-term suspended or expelled, and then comes back to us, is credit deficient? Uh, you know, a, a wide range of things, right? Dealing with mental health issues, mm-hmm. uh, lonely, uh, so many different things. And so in let's use a restorative circle kind of approach for these kind of conversations. And let's put in people, because we know the science of resilience, right? Like the science of resilience says, a safe supportive adult in a child's life can change their life so let's not just bring in one let's bring in several into the circle and let's talk about what happened the conflict that happened and let's talk about how we need to repair the harm let's talk about the consequences and let's create a plan of action that's going to surround that student um, and help them not just isolate them
0: and i think this is I mean, going back to your point about we are a conflict avoidant and we just let things happen and we don't address it appropriately or proactively um, just leads to so many issues and challenges. And a lot of it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of the reason for doing this in a circle is to be able to model and have some positive peer pressure about Responding appropriately, that if you're, if this something that is, there's a conflict is brought up one on one, then it can be challenging to handle that correctly. But if you're in front of all your peers and everybody else, then it's, it's a little bit easier. Is that part of the reason why we do circles instead of just dealing with all the issues one on one?
1: I think, I think for me, anytime we're, we're inside of a circle or a conversation, it's always about, belonging safety and dignity and so we want people to know we want students to know and we want teachers to know that this is a space that we can share our truths and we can share the ways that we have messed up and that that all the people in the circle are there to help and support them and so in it's it's part of like when we're consistently doing circle work so like That's why those community circles or class meeting type circles are so critical. We're used to being in circle. We're used to living in circle. When schools are just doing circle work just for discipline issues, it's really hard. It's really hard to feel a comfortable, like why I don't feel comfortable sitting. I don't know these people that well. I don't really live in community with them. And so, that the consistency piece of circle work is so critical in order to go from community circle to restorative.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense and it makes it so that the, the restorative part of restorative circles can happen even earlier, it seems, and maybe prevent some of those problems. Can you share some examples of how the community circles prevent Mm -hmm. bigger issues from coming about?
1: yeah for sure so um you know i taught elementary for a long long time 20 years and fourth grade recess man it's the worst fourth grade recess those kids are coming in from recess and just at each other right Uh, for whatever reason and in particular one year it was girls the girls the girl drama a lot a lot of girl drama and and i did not handle it well (laughs) I did not handle it well at all. And there were times that I was just like, I'm I'm out, I'm out. Go talk to this other teacher about it. I, I just, I can't, I can't. And so that's a situation where I didn't handle it well. I didn't use, and I was just like, it's gonna work itself out magically somehow. Even though every single day we were struggling, Mm -hmm. I was so overwhelmed. Go, go to that next year. Um, Where circles were we're a part of our everyday, our everyday. We could, there's a problem out at the playground, we come in, a student says, I've got something we need to talk about. Okay, let's do that. And the student is able to share what the issue is, uh, and we're able to create a plan of action right then and there. And everybody's a part of that agreement, that solution to that problem. And so, there still is gonna be challenges and there's still gonna be issues, but hopefully it's not gonna to get to this point because we're having conversations around it, right? Where as the year before I was just avoiding it because I didn't know what to do. And so the idea of just having conversations or uh, I was in a second grade classroom not that long ago and there was problems with their backpacks. Backpacks were just a mess in the back of the room. And it was students that brought up the issue because another student had tripped um, over a backpack and says, it's just not okay that we have this issue with our backpacks. How can we solve this? And so the students they circled up just like they normally would. They here's the problem. What are some possible solutions As second graders are taking notes and then they're, they're creating the plan. And so it's solving the problem before it becomes something bigger. Because maybe that backpack issue, that backpack problem, isn't that big of a deal. But somebody could have gotten hurt, right? But it, the these kind of things fester into bigger things inside classrooms. And so, being able to just stop for a minute, have a have the the conversation, and and hear the voices of the students, and they're they're going to figure it out. They are going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Can you talk about some? Well, before I say that, let me just say that story about kids bringing up the issue and saying, here's here's what we need to do. We want kids to have ownership of what is going on in their lives. And too often, it's so easy in education to say, well, that's not my problem. I'm going to let the teacher deal with it. And, and this is an issue where kids saw the issue and said, let's come up with a way to deal with it. And um, maybe the teacher was avoiding it maybe the teacher just had too many other things on her plate and couldn't get to it so the the next thing i want to talk about is it feels like this is another thing it takes time kids process things slower than they may not get to the same place that adults would get to and may come up with some not great ideas why why take the time to go through this process when We already have so much pressure on us as educators to, you know, be focused and get things done. And this seems like another thing that is just going to take a lot of time.
1: Yeah, it is going to take time, but I'm going to, as an educator, I'm going to spend my time somewhere, right? And so I think a lot of time that I pour into these restorative conversations with students at these community circles, it's helping, it's helping us so that we're not gonna be spending all of our time on discipline issues later on. The other thing is, as I'm a huge, huge advocate for this, is that I think we think kids know automatically how to solve problems, and it's just not true. There has to be some teaching and practicing in how to be able to say, I'm upset about this, or, I'm a I'm I'm mad about this, and letting them learn how to walk through a process to be able to solve problems. You know what I see right now in our world. I I see it in my own little town that I live in. Facebook is just of people just dropping stuff all over the place around schools, mind you, around schools, around teachers and specifically around a bond issue, all of that, but there's no way, they're not having conversations with people. And I think some of it is that people never learned how to how to do that, how to have a conversation where we might be on different sides, but we can still listen. We can still listen to each other. And And I think with our kids, if we give them opportunities, to be able to actually solve the problem, to to walk through, to be able to share, this is how it is, this is how I'm feeling, this is what it did to me, <laughs> this is the harm that it caused, uh, and be able to also and listen to the other person as well or other people as well. Like those are just tremendous skills that we're giving students opportunity to practice. I get it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and sometimes it's easier just to say we're going to do it this way <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah. and and sometimes we're going to have to right i mean sometimes that is that is what we're going to need to do but any opportunity that we have to give kids the time and the space to be able to conflict to learn conflict resolution that is a huge huge win in my book because they're going to be the adults one day and i want them to be the adults that know how to have conversations and not the ones that i'm seeing today that don't
0: yeah yeah totally and giving them an opportunity to do that in a place where there's a mediator the teacher who's saying this is how we handle it appropriately and this is how you say you really hurt my feelings in a way that somebody will actually listen to like Mm -hmm. those are really valuable important skills for them to learn um so talk to us about the structure of a circle meeting what yeah. does that look like what parts are essential and what parts depend on the circumstance
1: yeah so as you dig into circle work um, everybody kind of has their own flow like of a circle the the big thing is is like you get your flow and you kind of stay with that flow and uh, There's something about students just knowing, like, here's how it's going to work and here's how it's going to run. And so we all I love starting off with some sort of um, opening activity. And that is that could be a mindfulness activity, a quote, a song, a poem. I mean, so many different ways to open up that circle and just invite everybody into the circle. Uh, And then there's always a values round. And it could be that we're just reviewing the values that we've already gone over, or it could be that we're saying, okay, what value are you bringing to the circle today? And so for some, it might be creativity, some might be respect, but just knowing what we're bringing to the circle is a way for voice and choice, and also just a way to cement who we are in the circle today. And then round one is always a check-in. There's tons of check-ins that you can do. Uh, It's usually related to where you're at, where you're coming from. Uh, The one that we love using is, are you mad, sad, glad, afraid? What's that mostly about? Um, And so depending on the size of your group, that might be a whole group check-in or, or it might be, you might do what we call concentric circles, where it's three people coming together to form a circle inside of the circle to do the check-in. And then it's whatever it is you're doing. So like, is this, is this a academic circle? So we're going to talk about uh, the article that we read, or is this a, a circle around uh, the social emotional work that we're doing in the classroom? So then depending again on ages, depends on how many rounds you would go. And then there's always a closing of something, a way to bring it together. To bring everybody together, um, and then we always want to thank people for participating in the circle.
0: Okay, I, I like having that structure in place, and I see how, like, when, whether you're doing academic community or restorative, how those those processes to set that up can be can be really valuable. And so, you're going to do all the regular things that you always do. And then today specifically, we're talking about this issue and mm-hmm. here's here's the thing that we need to address uh, on this. So let's talk a little bit about the closing, a way to bring everyone together. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about yeah. what that means. And uh, does that mean that there's a resolution every time or sometimes things are left and we say things are left? Like, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, depending on the type of circle. So like a community building circle, maybe it's just around welcoming new people to the classroom or, or a new person to the classroom. That closing might be uh, something like share share with, uh, share in three words, your favorite thing about our school to, uh, to Rebecca. Uh, and so everybody just goes around really quickly to, to share that. It could be, I, I love using children's literature with circles as well. And so maybe a closing activity could be something or closing, the closing activity is around, I'm just thinking of a book, Mary Blair, A Pocket Full of Colors, it's about the Disney artist, Mary Blair, who did It's a Small World. And so in the closing, what I wrote was watch this little video of It's a Small World, as many of my students have never had that experience to go actually go through, it's a small world. So watch the video that Disney created on that and then just share what are three words that come up when you see that Um, it also could just be a mindfulness moment to close out our time, depending on what kind of circle it is. And it also could be, do you think that we're ready to make a decision on, on this? Or do we need to, do we need to think for a little bit? and come back to this tomorrow. So lots of different ways to do that depending on the type of service.
0: So it's providing closure to the meeting, not necessarily providing closure to the topic or the issue. And so if it's a academic thing, then maybe not everybody gets it and we need to talk about it more tomorrow. Maybe with a restorative, the person is not penitent and doesn't <laughs> feel like they did anything wrong. And we're not ready yet to say this is a done deal because feelings are still hurt or something like that. Right. Anything you'd like to add there, Carmen?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that's really important is that we never go into uh, something such as a restorative circle if if all the parties aren't ready for that process. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be resolved in that circle time, but we never require somebody to be a part of a circle. And we, we don't want, because that can, that can lead to some real shaming, a lot of other issues that could come up from that. And so if a student's not ready to be a part of it, then there's some other conversations and such that take place and happen. And hopefully we get to that point where he, he or she is ready to be a part of, of that conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's really important to recognize also that even if Someone is ready to join the circle. They may not be ready to have closure from that. And our hurt feelings may come up again as part of it. Right. Oh, and so 100%. after, after talking through things, somebody may say, well, shoot, I wasn't upset before, but I'm sure upset now. Mm-hmm. And like, it could open up a whole, a whole new issue that, that somebody didn't know about. And I, I was part of a, a circle with students where that did happen, mm-hmm. where somebody thought that the issue was this big and everybody else thought the issue was much bigger. And the person who thought the issue was quite small didn't realize how big of an impact it was. And so was not ready to, to handle that in an appropriate way. So that the the closure there, I didn't do it how you're talking about, but I, I basically said, hey, obviously we're not all as ready for this as we thought we were. Right. So we're gonna need to come back later and I went and did some one-on-one work with that student absolutely. so they could come back and talk appropriately in that meeting with the other folks and and be able to to have some real closure that was beneficial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the one really important part before walking into a restorative circle is the pre-meetings with each of the participants of the circle. And that includes anybody that's gonna be a part of the circle. There's always a pre-meeting, the circle keeper, whoever is the circle keeper is leading that. Um, and that does sometimes help with some of that, um, but not always, right? And those pre-meetings for me are just, it's the, it's the best part to be able to just be one-on-one with people, to hear what they're saying. What is it that you, what are you hoping for when we go into circle, you know, in the next few days? And just being able to take that information to then create the circle flow that we're going to use and go through is is critical.
0: Yeah. So as we close here, this was really valuable. Anything else that, uh, that you feel like needs to be brought up about circles?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it. We've talked about it a little bit already, but just students that are long-term suspended and expelled. A lot of times when they come back to school, it's just like, Come back in. And there has to be some sort of transition process for students to come back in. And so, is, uh, you know, we have a like a reentry circle process. Uh, there's lots of schools that are using reentry pro- circles as a part of that. And it's just a way for everybody. So maybe it's uh, the student and their parent parents or guardians. Sometimes they ask a friend to join the circle, a counselor, assistant principal, te- I mean, it, the who's in the circle can, it depends on the situation, right? Um, but just the opportunity for us to be able to say, okay, wow, this, during this time, this student did all of these things. Like he got it. He's now a shift manager at Dairy Queen. He finished three, four classes, uh, you know, and the students able to share what they've learned during this time. And then we're able to kind of just share what are some things that we're worried about with this transition. And then right then and there, because everybody's at the table, everybody's in the circle, create plans around that. Because again, we want the student be able to walk back into the school dignity, belonging, safety, and that it's not I had a, a superintendent that said one time normally when kids walk in from an expulsion, it's hoodie, hoodie up, head down. And mm. we want we really want them to be able to walk in. Yeah, mistakes happen, but but I but here's all the things that I was able to accomplish during this time. So hoodie up, head down, let's give them some high fives.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and people are not one dimensional. And so yes. especially if you haven't seen them your only memory or interaction of them is they did this bad thing that caused them to get kicked yeah. out and so you know what it's valuable to have some sort of reconnecting with them as a human being right. first and foremost i like that yes yes yeah Okay, so we have a great conference coming up here in just a couple months called Bridging to Resilience. We are so excited to partner with you on this conference and so excited about what is going to come uh, from the future uh, with this. But first, tell us about the conference this year and what people can expect and how, uh, why they should go to it.
1: Yeah. So, oh gosh, we're beyond excited about the conference this year. I get the privilege of working with all of the speakers that are coming in for the conference. And so I'm just so excited about the wide range of speakers. Like I myself was trying to pick which breakout sessions I'm going to, and I can't yeah. decide. You know, we have John Whalen coming, uh, a restorative practice, practice pr- practitioner, Um Annie O'Shaughnessy from St. Michael's College out of Vermont, Guy Stevens, who does just some tremendous work inside of restraint and seclusion, like just against all of that, Um, as Mm -hmm. well as Ginger Healy and then, you know, the resilience team and then just some rockstar teachers and administrators from Kansas that are also presenting. And so you have just this wide range of choices of there's seven sessions each time there's a breakout. So it comes to around 56 different kinds of sessions that you have to choose from, which uh, that's pretty phenomenal for a three-day conference.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and if you are listening to this podcast, this is a conference that you want to be at regardless of your role or what it is that you're doing. This is definitely a conference you want to go to and learn about all of these things more. And this is not just an educator conference either this is for everybody in pretty much any role right tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah yeah absolutely Uh, we have a lot of community members that come parents who come to the conference um, as well as we have students like uh, there's something pretty spectacular and special when a student has the opportunity to share from the stage their experience uh, their experiences with school with teachers, with just life um, and what they have learned. As well, parents. Parents are a huge part of the conference. We do a parent panel every time, which is probably one that just kind of just knocks us all down a little bit in terms of just the bravery of parents getting up on stage in front of, you know, 400 educators um, and sharing their truth and how we as educators can help and support them how we as community members can help and support for me I, I can't get out of a parent panel without just just being blown away by by these amazing people so yeah it is we have nurses that come i mean just a wide wide range childcare providers daycare just a wide wide range of people and that's what makes this conference i feel so special
0: yeah that's awesome very good well carmen thank you so much for being part of resilient schools and if you have not yet heard about the bridging to resilience conference if you're listening this you need to be there so go check it out sdac.org slash br sorry b2r23 That's the link to register for this year. And Carmen, again, thank you for being part of Resilient Schools.
1: Thank you so much. Edited by Gage Sanderson.